Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room here on a Tuesday evening. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. We are streaming live on Twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball. And if you can't watch us, You can always listen to us in podcast format. Download the Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from. It's a strange time in football, Chris. We actually have Tuesday night football tonight, (laughs) and it's it's not Maction. We're not talking about Central Michigan (laughs) against Akron. Isn't it amazing? It's It's really weird. It's an NFL game here on Tuesday night as we record this podcast. Uh, We'll have (laughs) a kickoff between the Bills and the Titans. No, it's just – I tell you, we're starting to really feel it now. I, I, I just, I guess I just was foolish and thought, hey, you know what? This is, this is coming along pretty well, and this is a lot better. And now it's just getting to that point where you're starting to wonder. Uh, NFL's kind of been up in the air and moving games. That's what you're referring to. The Tuesday night game. Finally, the Titans are going to play, and mm-hmm. we just don't know. Um, things are are kind of getting shifted around in college football. The SEC has their first game that's postponed, and we're on the verge. If you haven't heard, we'll get into it. There's some issues going on at Florida that puts the big time Florida LSU game in mm-hmm. jeopardy. We'll know this. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, it'll be official. But it's a big day, and I know where, as we get into it, Scott, Tuesday is game plan day in college football, and, and Florida shut down all of their football activities. So kind of hard to have a game if you've shut it down at this point. Um, so that's not looking good, but nothing official there. It's amazing, and we'll start right there with the college football conversation. Florida loses a game last week that they had no business losing, uh, just a terrible loss on their part. And Dan Mullen comes out after the game and says, I want to pack 90,000 fans in the swamp because the fans at Kyle Field, and and that's that was the largest 25%, 20% crowd I think I've ever seen. So yeah, I, don't the loudest. Know, I don't know if they were fudging the numbers a little bit of who they were letting into Kyle Field, but that place was packed. Anyway, Dan Mullen wants 90,000 shoulder to shoulder at the swamp so that they can have a home field advantage against LSU. And lo and behold, five to 19, however many members of the program you want to uh, announce, uh, uh, have huh. tested positive for COVID and, and they have shut down all football-related activities. So... 
not a good couple of days for the Florida Gators, Chris. No, it hasn't been. And certainly, you know, everyone's going to – it wasn't a popular comment um, around college football. Dan's comment that you're referring to, probably not going to go over very well if this ends up being – an outbreak on their campus mm-hmm. because now you're talking about, all right, yeah, let's, let's put everybody in there. Can't even have a game if that happens. So well, who knows what'll happen, but uh, it's going to be interesting. That was a very difficult loss for them. A great win for Texas A&M. Florida still got a young defense. It's trying to grow up and um, look, they've got LSU at the right time. Mm-hmm. They'd like to try to finish that off and get this game out of the way if they can. But again, that's very much in doubt. A couple of things on the game that just really jumped out at me is just they don't have any pass rush in Florida. They can't rush the passer, and they can't cover without bringing which is, extra which pressure. Which is mind-boggling because all you hear is about how Todd Grantham has these exotic blitz packages and is known for getting after the quarterback, and they're not generating any pressure like you said. Well, and you know, I think that the, the things that you got to look at is if you're not comfortable in covering on the back end, you got to be real careful about where you're going to go with bringing those exotic blitz packages. So one of the things that I'm seeing on tape is it's, you know, they're running a lot of stunts and twists, trying to get good angles, but they're not doing a good job with their run fits. And so, you know, everybody says, well, just be more aggressive. Well, you can't be more aggressive. You can't cover on the back end. And so there is a problem there and definitely they lost some talent. But in addition to that, they're young I think Cox is a really good player, but they're having to m- move him a little bit. They've got to get somebody else to step up, and I do think it'll get better. I don't know if it'll be the typical type defense that we saw last year with Florida mm-hmm. or we've seen in the past, but uh, they've got some work to do, some growing up to do, no question about that. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma last week, it, it was everything that you expected it to be and more. Uh, I was a little confused at the end of the game, why Tom Herman did not go for two. And and hear me out. (laughs) I know you don't want to just put the game on the line with one play. But at that point, Texas had scored two touchdowns in a matter of what? The final four minutes of the game, right? You had Oklahoma's defense reeling. You just scored on a goal line situation play where your receiver was wide open. At that point, I understand that the game would have come down to one play. You make it, you win. You don't make it, you lose. But at that point, I'm thinking in my mind, why am I going to give Oklahoma's offense a chance to come back on the field and win this game in overtime when I have the strength of my team right now against the weakness of theirs and I just gave it to them? and I have them reeling, I have them exactly where I want them, I'm going to win the game right now. It's a fair point. Uh, I thought similarly when watching it, and and you're right. You've got the strength of your team, and you know it's one thing to have confidence that you can come up with a stop even when you've not been able to do it, but I think that there's a reality that comes in that just didn't, just didn't come across as a very prudent decision at that point. And look, it was a – I guess an exciting game. I mean, it was an exciting game, but yet it, boy, some, sometimes it's hard to watch, you know, and, and I mean, it's not a good, it's not a, it's not a great brand of football. And and listen, I mean, we give the big 12 a hard time, man. I mean, we'll probably talk about it in a second, but my God, Ole Miss, Alabama, 
I mean, that was a big 12 game, you know, in the SEC. It just, it was, it was same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, just, um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it, but there's no question like that. That's a tough situation there. Um, I, you know, I didn't know which way that would go. Uh, you, you thought that Ellinger would probably make enough plays to win. I think in many regards he did, but. You know, Oklahoma was able to get it done, and uh, the Big 12 is a mess, and those two programs right now are a mess, Oklahoma and Texas, from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, um, you know, Texas doesn't have the advantage. At least Oklahoma's made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Tom Herman's starting to hear it now, and, you know, they um, even though they got a lot of money, they're not buying them out, and they're certainly not buying them out this year. It's not working right now. Tom Herman in Texas is not working, and you – you know, we can sit there and wonder. I can look at Lincoln Riley and say, Lincoln, you're doing a lot of things well. There's some things that you're not doing well that you need to correct. But there is a lot that's going on with Texas and Tom Herman that makes me wonder, can they do it? Hmm. Scott, I don't know if they can or not. I really don't. I don't know if he can do it. It's it's just going to be challenging, no doubt. Uh, in the SEC, uh, you mentioned it's, it looked like a Big 12 game between Alabama and Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know what was going on. I expected a high-scoring game. I didn't expect over 100 points being scored between these two teams. You knew that Ole Miss was going to be able to put up points because their offense under Lane Kiffin has done extremely well the first couple of games of the season. And Alabama's Alabama. I just figured Nick Saban would have something up his sleeve defensively to to limit this team a little bit. Look, I'm with you. I thought Ole Miss would put some yards on. I, I thought Ole Miss would score some points. I didn't think they run up and down the field at well on Alabama. There's a couple of things that really bothered Alabama. The tempo really yep. got Bama and, and early on. So it wasn't just the wearing out of them. Yeah, they got worn out defensively. But before they got worn out, they couldn't get lined up. And the tempo just really killed Bama. And they couldn't make adjustments. And Lane Kiffin knows that's what bothers Bama and, and, and Nick's defenses. So he did a really good job with that. And then, you know, once it, it continued to happen and Alabama came back and Alabama almost couldn't help but score quick against that Ole Miss defense, which mm-hmm. is even just <laughs> what twice defense? as bad as Alabama. <laughs> and so it just became one of those fast-paced up-and-down games that just got worn out. But – it's going to be different this week. It's going to look different this week. And I speak of Bama, Georgia, mm-hmm. because Georgia doesn't play offense like Ole Miss plays offense, different style. It'll be more of a line of scrimmage game. And that game is going to be about can this great Georgia defense hold up against this great, and I mean great, multi dimensional Alabama offense. Uh, and can this Alabama defense, which, again, looked awful, and people might say, oh, Ole Miss, not as good as Georgia. Georgia no, no, no. Ole Miss, better than Georgia offensively in a completely different style, in a style that is um, less conducive than Ole Miss to creating those temple problems against Alabama's defense. Those are the things that I think is going to make this matchup really intriguing. And, Scott, I – I think this is going to be one of two, if not three games that these two teams will play. So this is maybe the game of the year. Mm. 
but I don't even think it's going to be the biggest Alabama Georgia game this year because yeah. I think the SEC championship game is going to be a bigger one between these two. Obviously, I'm projecting that, but uh-huh. I, I think that that the the that was as bad a performance of an Alabama defense in the Nick Saban era at wow. Alabama. Let that sink in and give a lot of credit to Ole Miss. They had the offense to take advantage of it, but they, they forced the issue, but Alabama had no answers. And there's, there is, I'm going to tell you what defensive coordinators in the sec, Dodd Granham at Florida, uh, Pete Golding at Alabama and Bo Pelini at LSU mm. have not had much sleep this week. Um, and it's certainly scorching hot for those guys. Well, Alabama, you know, from Julio to Ridley to Judy, now to Jalen Waddle, I don't know if there's somebody on Georgia's defense that can contain this kid. Uh, he is as talented as they've had there every single year, every single couple of years. They develop these wide receivers. I think he's going to be an X factor in this game on Saturday. Well, I think the whole key is, listen, I mean, Georgia can match up on the back end they can cover. They're really good at the Rice just playing well at linebacker. Not great, but playing well. The front four is outstanding. So to me, here's the key: is how can Georgia? How well will Georgia defend Alabama's run game mm. with their front? Do they have to commit an extra half guy or full guy into the box to defend the run? That is the key, Scott, because this Alabama offensive line is great. Najee Harris is as I mean, he's the best running back right now in the country. He's running harder than anybody. And so defending that's just job one. And Mac Jones is playing great, not good, Mm -hmm. great football. And you've mentioned Waddle and the ability um, to be able to work other guys that are really effective in the passing game, the tight ends, the other receivers, they are really effective. And, this is going to be this is going to be a challenge for Georgia's great defense, just like it's going to be a challenge for Alabama's great offense. That's the side of the ball that's going to be strength on strength. The other side's going to be, I don't want to call it weak, but less strength versus less strength. It's a Georgia offense that's still trying to find its way, an Alabama defense that's still trying to find its way. That might decide it. Who can find its way the best? is the key. There's a lot of pressure on both, but Georgia getting over the hump against Alabama, Scott, that is a bugaboo that they keep hearing Mm -hmm. it all the time. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You haven't done it. You haven't done it. They probably got more pressure than Alabama, and that's saying an awful lot here. Uh, We have a comment coming in from Spartan Barton who says the SEC East and West have already been decided and you might agree with him because you're projecting that it's going to be Alabama and Georgia in the SEC title game, and and this is just going to be the first of what should be two matches this year. Well, there's nobody in the West that's really very good. Auburn's not very good. LSU's not very good. A&M got throttled by Alabama. That might be your second-best team in the West, and they're not going to catch Alabama. They're two games behind. They're mm-hmm. a game behind and a game-in-hand loss. The East is potentially still, and we know, I do need to remind it, it's a COVID year, and we got weird things happening. We just started the show with it. But I don't know. Listen, Florida could, up, could beat Georgia and, and turn this around. I mean, heck, Georgia could beat Alabama. You know, I, I just yeah, don't sure. know what's going to happen. But Florida's got a loss to a and So, you know, Georgia could lose. 
and then Florida could beat Georgia and Florida could get in there. I just don't think that's going to happen at full strength. Georgia is at a, you know, a little notch above Florida and we'll see if that pans out, but there's still a while before they play, but Florida certainly got a lot invested with this game here with, because if Georgia loses it, this puts Florida in a situation where they can take care of their own business. Now they got to play better defensively, but I think there's a better chance that, that Florida could, sneak into the West uh, than East than anybody could catch Alabama in the West. I just don't see anybody that's challengeable. Yeah, that's fair. Um, looking at the ACC, North Carolina finds themselves all the way up to number five in the country. Uh, a very impressive offensive performance last week. Not so much defensive, though, as they allowed uh, Vatek to be in that game when it seemed like it was going to be a blowout in the first half. What do you make of this North Carolina team? And defensively, do they have enough to keep them in contention? Well, no. In contention for the second best in the ACC, uh, yeah. In contention for a playoff spot, no. Uh, they're just not good enough. And and listen, there is a theme here. Nobody's playing really good defense. Sorry, Georgia, you are. Clemson, you know, you're starting to play. Everybody else is really mm-hmm. flawed to to a large degree or to to some degree. I, Sam Howell's been outstanding, and they can score. They have good playmakers. All those young guys that got a lot of playing time last year. It's a really good team. A lot of people thought Tech would get them. I kind of like North Carolina at home, and they kind of let this you know Tech get back in. Because of the aforementioned defensive play, Carolina's not good enough defensively. I don't think they will be good enough defensively, other than just to have a really good year, play well, great story, good team. But it's still, as we saw the Miami game against Clemson, and we knew it going into the game, it's Clemson up here and everybody else in the ACC is kind of fighting for the scraps. Who's the best non-Clemson team in the ACC? Have at it, boys. Is it, Notre, is it Notre Dame? Could be. And does that game on, I think it's November 7th, uh, Notre Dame against Clemson, will both, obviously Clemson will be weak. Will Notre Dame be unbeaten going into that game? Um, I think they will be. I'm trying to think if there's so any. They have, I don't, I don't so think they there's anybody Louisville, on their schedule. They have Louisville, Louisville Saturday. Louisville's not playing well. No, Louisville's not playing Pitt well. And Georgia Tech. They will be unbeaten. Yeah. They will be unbeaten. Yep. A pit has a defense game. that could make that game close, but Notre Dame will win. Their offensive line will neutralize Pitt's defensive line. Notre Dame will be unbeaten going into the game against Clemson. Not coming out of it, but going into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be one heck of a game. Uh, a couple of other uh, maybe you know intriguing games here. Cincinnati-Tulsa, I think, is a sneaky game for Cincinnati on Saturday. Uh, they, they're number eight in the country right now at 3-0. and uh, Love what they've done the past couple of years. Tulsa coming <laughs> off a huge upset of Central Florida. They seem to rise up to their opponents, Chris, and play people tough. There's no question they do. Um, that's going to be a really interesting game. I agree with you. How about Friday night, BYU, Houston? Yes. You know, that's right. And know, SMU Tulane is not a pushover. SMU, SMU Tulane's a good one. That's also playing on uh, Friday night. So you got basically a doubleheader on Friday night. But BYU's a really good team, really physical. They're getting good play at the running back, fullback position, quarterback position. Uh, the play uh, on the offensive line has been very good. That That's going to be a real interesting matchup. 
on Friday night. Um, you know, um, the, um, the, the other, you know, interesting thing this week, obviously, um, in, in Kentucky, Tennessee's got some intrigue to me. I want to see how Tennessee responds and how Kentucky responds. Uh, and then again, um, Ole Miss, Arkansas is going to be uh, real interesting. And uh, Mississippi State, uh, Mike Leach hasn't uh, busted a grape offensively since uh, Bo Pelini's defense at LSU left the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't done anything. I mean, they, they put they put darn near 700 yards against LSU, and they can't do a thing against Arkansas or Kentucky the last couple of games, and it's typical Mike Leach. Uh, it's the player's fault, not his. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the full Mike Leach experience through three weeks now. Uh, the You know, a, a surprise win, uh, get get embarrassed and outcoached a couple of times, and then take the credit when you win and, and throw the kids under the bus when you lose. So that's kind of, that, that's the, kind of my thoughts of this week. And then I, I really think that, the LSU Florida game is the fact that we're talking about it potentially or probably as we're doing this show live, um, not playing is a real damper because that yeah. game was um, look, it's a, it's a big game. And now we're going to start to have an issue with how do we replace this game? Look, Vanderbilt, Missouri, with all due respect, that's been postponed. They don't need to play that game. They really don't need to make it up. LSU Florida is going to factor in and, you know, um, it's going to factor in for Florida anyway. And, um, you know, let's, let's hope and see that, 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 that can be played, but you got to have 53 players. Yeah. And if the reports are true, I mean, I mean, I don't know if they're true and I don't know how many players that they've shut it down. They shut down the football facility at Florida on the game plan day, and they're not shutting it down for five players. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. so that tells me that there's 15, 20, 25, you know, so we're going to have to wait and see. And again, by the time you, if you're listening to this on the podcast, then uh, you probably already have the answer. By the way, if you're listening to us on Twitch uh, and we hope you are, it's a great way to communicate with us. Uh, we really love you. Hey, follow us. And we really thank everybody that's uh, following us on Twitch, twitch.tv uh, forward slash uh, Chris Landry football is where you want to go. Two things. Hit the follow button. It's the little heart at the bottom right of the screen. That will automatically send you a message every time we are live and a link to the show. And secondly, chat with us on Twitch. Say hi, uh, anything, and we'll give you a shout back, just like we've talked about with uh, Spartan Bartman and um, uh, Anonymous. Is that what it is? Uh, well, I guess so. The fantasy football ball. <laughs> Well, we we really appreciate you get, appreciate you guys uh, your your feedback, your comments, your involvement in the show, and uh, we certainly uh, we certainly want you to become involved with us here. Yep, and you can subscribe to the channel uh, as well, and that'll get you some inside uh, perks there as well for the uh, Twitch channel, twitchtv slash football. As we transition to the NFL, we'll get to your NFL questions in the chat room coming up. I see Bernsey's got a question. Uh, we got fantasy football questions as well. Big week for certain players. And, well, Chris, we'll start like we do every single week, and that is with our play of the week. And uh, the week is still going on right now as the Titans and Bills are playing in the first quarter in Nashville. But the play of the week this week in week five of the NFL, to me, comes from a game that, was a surprising outcome to some, and that is the Raiders upset of the Kansas City Chiefs. And 
the play of the game and the play of the week to me was the 72-yard touchdown by Henry Ruggs against this Chiefs secondary as we take a look there at this play. So it's the second quarter, Chris. Mm -hmm. Take us through what is going to happen here on this play. Well, they did a great job all game with these formations. A little diamond bunch set here. So you get, you see the line up to the right there, and you see guys. And then uh, I, I really thought they did a good job attacking downfield of the Chiefs. Let it run here, and we'll see Ruggs um, get going, get free here. Uh, I just thought really they mixed things up, Scott, with their alignment. You see it out of the bunch set. You're seeing the inside release. The real key to make this go is the outside release by the, the – we'll go here, but this is just a great throw in stride and just the speed to be able to go up and make a play on the ball. Uh, but the real key to this, this is, you know, speed's great. As we go back to watch it, and we'll see it on this side, is the real key in Hunter Renfro. As you see them sprint out right, as you see Hunter go inside, and you see the tight end Wilder go out, you see the safety in the middle of the field. He's hooked in, and he bites. So now you got one-on-one, -on -one, you got a post, and you've got the safety biting up. Uh-oh, <laughs> Henry Ruggs by himself, and this is where you say, oh, bleep, I've got no help, and that's where you go. Big-time play, but as often is the case, it's made off the line. Let's look at it again. Again, outside, boom, bite in here. Ooh. Bite in, and now you've got no help, so you want to have the deep help. You've got to make sure that you don't get beat over the top. The late Al Davis, who – Knew very well, loved the deep ball, would love this. And a lot of talk about they're not getting the ball deep and Derek Carr can't get it deep. Great job by John Gruden getting this design very well. Watch the safety right in the middle of the field, right here, moving his foot off the line, backing up a little bit. And look at him come forward here, biting on it. You've got Renfro coming across the face. And, oh, he is out of position. This play's over right now before the throw. You got the guy on the post. You've got no inside help. And he's just kind of waiting for the ball. I mean, yeah. it was an okay throw. I actually said it was a great throw. It was an okay throw. It was an easy throw. But a big-time play design, and like all of these big-time play designs, you win very often off the line of scrimmage. So good play there. Great game by the Raiders. Got the feel watching that game, Scott, that it was, you know, Raiders and particularly John Gruden – Hates the Chiefs. They're the team. <laughs> this was like, you know, playing the big, it's like playing the number one ranked team. Mm -hmm. And the Raiders trying to make a statement, trying to arrive, not being good enough. You get the sense that Gruden was kind of building to this, that this was a big statement win for them. And I don't think it, quote unquote, as I got asked, did it expose anything with the Chiefs? Look, I think you got to back off and play, drop eight in coverage against the Chiefs. I think we saw that against the Patriots. I think you got thought the Raiders did a pretty good job with that. But I don't think it's a sign that the Chiefs are going away. Uh, I still think they're going to end up dominating that division and likely have the number one seed in the playoffs. We shall see. But great win for the Raiders. And, hey, it puts them in a position, as I'm sitting here trying to find eight teams that are going to make the playoffs, excuse me, seven teams that are going to make playoffs in the AFC. I'm not, not quite sure I have it 
have it down yet. As I look at it, I wonder how that's going to play out. Um, we've got a few teams there. Getting into that mix is going to be really important. But the Bills and the uh, the Patriots and three teams in the north and two teams in the south potentially. Uh, maybe the Raiders get back in that mix as they're still, I think, got a shot for a wild card. We like to remind everybody every week we got an extra playoff team in each conference this year. So keep in mind uh, you're not out of it as much statistically as you were in most years when you start looking at records at this stage. Yep, exactly. And uh, another player that had a big week last week was Chase Claypool, who oh, had man. four, count them, four touchdowns in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And the question coming in from our buddy Fantasy Football 101 wants to know, hey, Chris, is Chase Claypool the real deal? Yes, he, ab- he absolutely is. Because here's the thing, he's a he's built like an H-back. He's got really good hands. He's got really good athleticism, good speed. So he's a really tough mismatch because safeties, he's, he can match up athletically, and he's bigger than those guys, and he's certainly more athletic than linebacker. So he's not like a, a Gronk 260. What he is, he's an H-back type of guy that just has great ability to put across the formation in a wingback, in a slot, out wide. Uh, boy, he's doing a really good job. And Big Ben's finding him underneath, finding him in the red zone, crossers, uh, fades. It can do a lot of things. He was simply outstanding. I thought, in fact, in, in my film grade this week, he was uh, um, one of the, the rookies of the week. He and C.D. Lamb were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just, Claypool was great. And he's been, he's graded out as, uh, thus far this year, it's early as one of the six or eight best receivers thus far grading out this year in the NFL. So, uh, good start for him. And, uh, yeah, I think he's absolutely for real. So you're in the fantasy part of that, uh, you need to, you need to lock on to him. No question about it. Uh, going along with the Chase Claypool conversation, Burns asks, uh, the Steelers have hit on a lot of wide receivers in the draft this decade. In regards to scouting, what type of traits do they look for? And, yeah, you could go back to even guys like Emmanuel Sanders, you know, and, and you know, they've had guy, uh, guys Tony, that come off the Antonio Brown. Yeah, Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown. his knucklehead stuff, six round. And Done even you know, small other guys like Eli Rogers and these other role players that come up. Uh, the Steelers have done a tremendous job of drafting. And, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster and now yep. Chase Claypool. They've done a terrific job of drafting wide receivers. Ke- so Kevin, what do they look Col- for? Kevin Colbert is the key guy there. He's the de facto GM. He's really good. I've known Kevin for a long time. He's with Detroit, uh, the Lions, for years and years. He's really good. Some guys are a little bit better at maybe unearthing guys at receiver. They also do a good job with their coaches. What they're looking for is they're looking for guys that have the ability that can run, that can make plays on the ball, guys that can go and do the job after the catch. So they're not looking at stats. You know, you're looking at Claypool. Most people thought, okay, well, production and how many catches and yes and yeah. No, no, no. Looking at the fits, and they really define – Okay, this guy is a really good X. This guy's a really good uh, Z. Uh, this guy's a really good slot. So they have a well-defined group, and everybody has it. Just some people are not as good at evaluating. They evaluate the traits. They evaluate quickness off the line of scrimmage. They evaluate ball skills, the ability to go up, take the ball away. 
and they look for the ability to run after catch. So they believe guys that can run and have short area bursts is bigger than just the big speed because short area bursts allows you to separate off the line of scrimmage and separate from coverage. And so that's what they look for, and they just do a better job of it, and they've done it for years. And um, Kevin, Kevin's been a big part of that for some time. That's a very talented roster, and I know they haven't played a lot of good teams yet, the Steelers. Steelers are really good. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the mix. And I know there was questions about oh, feature running back and all that. They, they're playing well. Big Ben stays healthy. That defense is playing well. T.J. Watt is coming off the edge as good as anybody in the league. That's a defense that can bring it. In a league that's not bringing a lot of defense, they're pretty good. And I think they've got good bounce. Steelers are very good. I cannot wait for that game this week with the Browns playing better. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like old days, like when I was over there with Bill and we had Steelers week, it was a little pep in your step now when you're when you're in Korea, <laughs> Ohio or you're in uh in you know uh, Pittsburgh. That was that people may not realize it's all Steelers and Ravens on the modern history. But boy, you talk about the great rivalries in the NFL. We had, we talked about chiefs and Raiders mm-hmm. Cowboys and Redskins is always a big one. Um, and, and I know modern has been more Ravens and Steelers, but uh, Steelers and Browns, cause they're so close. It's a bus trip. And that's, that's, that's big. I'm excited that that game means as much as it means this week. A uh, question coming in from Pat wants to know how big of an upgrade do you think Kyle Allen will be over Haskins over the course of the season, given the offensive line issues and complete lack of weapons? Here's the thing that Kyle Allen is going to do or what Ron Rivera thinks he's going to do. Look, I know you may laugh at this. Nobody's running away with that division. So although I don't think the Redskins are in it, they're not out of it. And Kyle Allen gives them a chance to protect the football, make better decisions. So people say, well, if you don't have good protection, true. If you don't have good protection, Scott, and and, and the great question there is you've got to have somebody that can make quicker decisions. And Kyle Allen can. He's more experienced. So that's Mm -hmm. why he's in there. The minute they're out of the playoffs, you're going to see Haskins come back. But that gives them a chance to compete to get rid of the football under pressure. That's why they've got him in there right now. All right. Higgins uh, sends in a question to us. Our defense is really just playing cover two and four against new Orleans and daring breeze to try and beat them over top with his shot arm. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're playing. They're seeing a lot of two deep man under um, not a lot of cover four, but they're, they're seeing a lot of two, some three uh, and, and mostly two deep man under. So what they try to do is man up underneath and try to force the ball outside the numbers. And then obviously, here's the thing, too. It, it's I don't think the, the, the arm is shot. It's not that good. But I think what you will see is who's the guy that's getting open that Drew trusts. Now, you're starting to see a little bit of some of those young guys be- becoming more and more of it. You're obviously seeing the tight end cook. Um Sanders becoming more and more, um, you know, comfortable with the side adjustments. Mm-hmm. But Michael Michael Thomas is the guy that they miss, and they miss him underneath. No question about it. So, no, it's it's not the you're you're on the right track there. That people are saying well, we're not going to beat you deep, but again, you don't have anybody in there right now that people are focusing their coverage on. You get Michael Thomas in there. 
Now, all of a sudden, you cheat. It is not a difficult throw. It's just like the Derek Carr throw that we – you think that's a difficult throw? Anybody can make that throw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you get the safety cheating up. But right now, if you don't have anybody that can beat deep or you don't have to cover uh, double cover or bracket coverage underneath, you can't manipulate that coverage. And nobody – you don't want anybody throwing against cover two um, deep, but you can get them out of cover two. And right now, they're not getting well enough play at receiver to – force people out cover two looks here's a comment from rich Coates. dan quinn and thomas dimitrov got fired after sunday's game against the panthers could you see adam gase and joe douglas be next uh adam gase yes i'm gonna say chris joe douglas is not getting fired no um this was his first real off season his first draft because he came in and took over for mike mccagnan after the draft uh, two years ago, so this was his first draft. So he's he's just getting his time right now to put together this roster, which could look different next year. Um, the Jets could trade Le'Veon Bell, which is all over the New York tabloids mm-hmm. today. Uh, that maybe they do get rid of Le'Veon Bell. Sam Darnold could be out the door if they can get a first round pick for him, and they know they got the number one overall pick. It's hello, Trevor Lawrence, and goodbye, Sam Darnold. This Jets team could look very different next year, and I could pretty much guarantee that Adam Gaze will not be the head coach next season. I could say something smart aleck like Trevor Lawrence saying, you know what, I may want to come back at Clemson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I said that I tried to be a Jet fan. Uh, You know what, I've got three years of LA because everybody's got another year, you know. He might say, you know what, you know what, I it happened already. Peyton the Jets had the Peyton number one did. overall pick. Yes. And Peyton Manning went back to college. And, and you know who the coach was? <laughs> Parcells. Yes. So and he and he did it. No, um Keyshawn Johnson, but it was Peyton Manning decided Peyton Manning to go back to school. And so the Jets took Keyshawn Johnson number one. And then uh Peyton goes next year number one. Yeah, I'm being a smart aleck, but no, um <laughs> uh, Joe Douglas will not be fired. I don't think Adam Gase makes it through the season, but I think it really depends upon here's the thing about making changes during the year. Uh, are you going to do something to shake up the team? Is they lost the team or they, they stopped listening or they stopped competing competing. I, I think that at some point that that'll probably they'll make that decision. I don't expect Adam Gase to be coaching this team next year. Mm-hmm. I just think we're going to have to continue to watch it. And I would say odds are is that he won't make the rest of the year, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it, it, it does depend on how that team plays. Yep. They're not going to win a whole lot, you know, and going along with that, a question comes in from Pat. Can you offer any opinion on general psychology off of a team in weeks after the head coach gets fired, knowing it obviously varies on a case-by-case basis. You and I touched on this briefly last week when we yep. thought that the, the Texans would play hard for Romeo Cornell, and they come out, and, and, and they did play hard for Romeo in, in capturing uh, their first victory. Uh, could we see that happen with the Falcons or other teams that get rid of their head coach? Do we see them, you know, what's the psychology there of, of teams coming back uh, the week after their um, coach gets fired? A couple of things that take place. If you look at most coaching fires during the season, it's usually done. All right. I mean, I don't say you plan that you're going to fire the guy, but you know, like, like in Atlanta, I mean, this was coming. What was the right time? I had an inkling if they lose to Carolina in a first year coach in Atlanta, that it was an issue. Now, if they had won that 
he wouldn't have been fired, and he probably would have been fired week 10, which is their bye week, well, the current bye week. Yeah, we don't COVID, know. COVID year, we don't know. So that's what I thought. If you look in the history of it, a lot of times it's done during a bye week, or a lot of time it's done where you've maybe got a favorable opponent. Like, for example, Houston, it blew up everything. For, there was a lot of lack of harmony there. Harmony there. They played Jacksonville. That's, you know, let's just call it like it is. If they're playing the Chiefs, you know, yeah. and I know they played the Chiefs week one, but like they played the Steelers or, you know, really good team, eh, emotion and all that, and ain't going to win. If, if you if you fire a coach, a lot of times when an owner or management does it, they say, all right, you know, I'm going to make a move, but at least try to do it strategically where I've got more of a winnable game. And it might be usually you got a bye week to get things together and maybe mm-hmm. you play – or if you don't have that, at least you have more of a winnable game. The other thing you get is, why do you make the change in season? Well, yeah, they're not winning. But usually you have, again, a, a lack of harmony. Guys are just, you know, they're not. When you make that move, the players are a little bit on notice. Okay, the coach is fired. Some may be say, you know what, that's what we need. We need to shake up. Others may say, we're next, you know, yeah, we can we, be out the door. so I think you do get a lift. You do get some inspiration. Sometimes it's positive out of, yeah, we feel good about it. Or sometimes it's out of fear and job security from a mm. player standpoint, those things all combined together usually increases the chances of maybe turning it around it's usually not sustainable because the team that usually is pretty bad, they're usually pretty bad for a reason. We've seen guys, teams that have been lost, coaches lose the team and they're talented and an interim coach comes in, writes the ship and boom, they're off and running. Um, It's not going to be the case with the jets. Uh, I do think you can see some improvements with the Falcons, but I don't think you're going to see a big change there. But, yeah, I do think you see sometimes for the reasons that I mentioned, that's the psychology in my experience would happen. I I was there when um, fired Jack Pardee and, and promoted Jeff Fisher. And, um, you know, a lot of it was the same old soap opera stuff. And the change was kind of a relief. It was like, okay, the final shoe had dropped. Now we just go ahead and focus on it. And, st- and the other thing is you get asked all the questions. You, you worry about your coach's kid. You, you, oh, all that is done. It's done. It's over. You don't have to deal with it. Now you just focus on the game. And I think all those things combine for that, I don't know, psychological profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone all this long without talking about Dak Prescott. Um, it was absolutely awful to watch. And you just, your heart goes out to the kid. Um, He's young enough. He can rehab. He can still have a tremendous career. But watching him get hurt, Chris, my first reaction was not about his rehab, was not about how gruesome it looked on TV. My first reaction was, this is why I always side with the players when they hold out, because absolutely nothing is guaranteed. And Dak is on the, the, the franchise tag, and he's got nothing else guaranteed beyond this. Maybe out of respect, Jerry Jones franchises him again next season. But you think he's going to get three hundred to four hundred million dollars? You think he's going to approach what Patrick Mahomes just got coming off this gruesome injury when we don't know what he's going to be able to do on the field after rehab? Dak Prescott should have held out, and he had every right to hold out. 
And any player that is in a contract situation has every right to hold out because this sport is not forgiving. And on one single play, your entire livelihood could be taken away from you. And that pains me to watch with Dak Prescott. Well, it is. And I echo that. It's also, let's remind folks that they made him an offer in Dallas. Now, it wasn't an offer that he wanted, but it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it might have it might end up being a lot more money than he will get offered now. So he 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 turned down an offer too. Now again, he has a right to do that. Uh, that is a risk you take as a player. And it's it's also to go along with what you said is also where you might say, you know what? This is a good deal. It may not be as much as I want, but I'm going to take it because I may get injured and I may not get even what they're offering now. So Mm -hmm. it can go both ways. Um, Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see. And he's a great kid. He's gone through a lot. He's lost a brother. He's lost his mother at cancer when he was um, a youngster. Um, Let me say this, though. He is someone that has the right type of attitude. Let me make a prediction. And I'm pretty comfortable in saying this. Uh, He will come back from this injury fine. It's going to take six months. He will recover fine. He will be fine. He'll continue to be a really good player. He will get a contract and make a lot of money still in this league, whether it's Cowboys or someone else. He Mm -hmm. will be fine. It's difficult to see. But in the overall thing of things, when I look at this, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to this kid. He's lost a brother suicide recently. He's lost a mother. This is a the toughest thing professionally he's had to deal with with an injury. He will be a very rich man, and and it's not about the Cowboys will take care of him. No, whatever they do, they're going to decide on football reasons. But I think he's proven himself to be a very good quarterback. And he'll make good money. And if he's not happy with that money, again, he has another decision to where, <clears throat> pardon me, he can sign a shorter deal. And mm-hmm. if if he doesn't get the money that he wants, he can say, you know, we'll sign a shorter deal and I'll prove how good I am. And then I'll go try to yeah. get another, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is all things considered what's going on in the world today. It's not a tragedy. He's going to be fine. He's lived through some tragedies. Mm-hmm. But from a football standpoint, I really feel bad uh, because, you know, this guy's really good. And for the, you know, the question that was asked, where do the Cowboys go from here? You know what? Yep. The Cowboys did a good job. Andy Dalton. The Cowboys got Andy Dalton. You can't do much better than Andy Dalton as your backup quarterback. Played well for him. And, you know, I still would probably make the Cowboys the favorite in that division. I'm not so would say, I. say the Redskins or the Giants are going to do anything. And I just – Eagles or it's them or the Eagles. It's a two team race. And I think Andy Dalton, you can win with. And I, I will say this. I think more than they did with Dak Cowboys offensive lines banged up. They're going to have to have a come to Jesus meeting and say, hold on. We've got to go back to being run first. Yeah. And if they do that, I think they'll win that division and I think they'll win it with Andy. And so that's what I think they'll do. Do I think they're a Super Bowl team? No, I'm not sure they were a Super Bowl team with Dak. Less so now, 
but I still think they're the the favorites to win the division. I, I really do. I think the Eagles are even more banged up and less playmakers. I like the receivers with the Cowboys. I like the great running back. And I know the offensive line's banged up, but less banged up than the Eagles. They got a lot more going for them than the Eagles do. Uh, the Eagles, though, I do like the Eagles' defensive ability. I, I, The Cowboys' issues are the defense, which is all the more reason, Scott, run the football mm-hmm. and keep that defense off the field as much as possible. Let's get to our week six preview. Uh, we can start with the Titans at the Texans, or do you want to hold off on the Titans and the Bills because they're playing tonight and uh, maybe you want you know a little time to evaluate them after tonight's game? Yeah, you know, I mean, let, let's take a look at it. I mean, I think it's going to be, um, you know, looking at the Bills uh, next week. I really like them at home. I do want to see the health of it, but we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I like the way the Bills are playing, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how, how things unfold on Thursday night. Okay, well, we have the Bengals at the Colts next week. You know, um, a little disappointed in kind of how the Colts are playing, but they're better than the Bengals. So the Bengals are really struggling up front, uh, protecting um, Joe Burrow. Um, the Colts get it done, get get in contention in that division that's going to be real intriguing with Houston struggling and, you know, uh, Tennessee, God knows what's going to happen with them with COVID going forward. And I, I don't know. That's a division I thought could be pretty good right now. Trying to find one good team is a challenge. Yep. All right. We move along the Falcons with their interim coach at the Vikings, who looked really good on Sunday night against the great Seahawks team and probably should have won that game. Uh, I don't know what Madison was doing on that fourth down play. If he bounces it to the outside, he walks into the end zone, let alone getting a first down. Dalvin Cook scores a first down on that play, by the way. Uh, and instead, it's a turnover. And, the you know, we, we all know how that game ended with the Seahawks marching down the field and scoring. So how do you see the Falcons at the Vikings matching up? Well, the Vikings are playing better, no question about it. Um you just got to think that the Falcons will get off the schneid a little bit. I do think they have the talent to go on the road and win this game. It's just hard to pick them at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vikings Vikings look a little bit better at this point. Certainly uh, getting good play from Thielen. And uh, I'm with you. Boy, they ran the football very, very well against Seattle. As good as Seattle is, man, that defense scares me. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a good scares yeah. me for Seattle. <laughs> How about the Broncos at the Patriots after a forced bye week? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, what is it with these two teams, and where are they? Um, you worry a little bit about preparation for both Patriots here. Those Patriots will will handle the situation, be focused, uh, really good defense, and I worry about the Broncos right now. I, I I like the Patriots here. We got the Washington football team at the Giants. Can the Giants pick up their first win of the year? You know, they're playing a little bit better. I do think this is a, a really good chance to get one. I don't see many chances. This ought to be one here. And Washington's still playing pretty defense, uh, pretty uh, decent on the defensive front, but uh, really struggling everywhere else. The Eagles have their hands filled with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens are just too good. You know, the thing that you've got to do against the Ravens is get up on them somehow, some way. I don't think the Eagles can do it. But get off to a big start. Um, I still think the Ravens are going to be able to run the football well enough. Uh, but make them throw from behind that's that's the uh the kryptonite for the ravens that's why they're they look really really good but they're really going to struggle to advance unless their passing game progresses how about the browns at the steelers 
man, I think this is just as uh, exciting game as can be. I th- like the Steelers. I think they're the better team of the two here. They're at home. Cleveland's playing well. Miles Garrett's really doing a good job for them. Like what Kevin Stefanski's doing with the offense. Baker's starting to play well, like their back. So uh, the offensive line's playing well for Cleveland. So um, this is the best the Browns have looked in a long time. I know that's not saying much, but this is the team that looks pretty good. I just don't know that they're good enough to go on the road and beat the Steelers. We move along. It's the Bears at the Panthers. The Panthers looking really good uh, under Matt Rule and Joe Brady, like we mentioned. Mike Davis has slid in seamlessly for Christian McCaffrey. It's funny. I think Scott Hansen was saying this on on Red Zone last week. If you just read Mike Davis's stats and said it was Christian McCaffrey, you don't even blink an eye because that's the production that he's giving them. They are they've got good scheme. They get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback very quickly. Teddy's doing a good job processing and getting uh, to the playmakers in space. So they create a lot of seams for the run game. They isolate well in the pass game. This is a very well coached team. And defensively, they're playing good. This this is one of the best coaching jobs that I've seen thus far this year of maximizing what they're doing and considering that as a first-year coach with a team that's not very talented. And again, first-year coach where you normally get extra mini camps because that's what they allow for first-year coaches. I just think it's phenomenal how they've adjusted. Phil Snow doing a good job with the defense. Um, look, I think Carolina can absolutely win this game. I keep, you know, looking at the Bears. Kolo Max doing a, you know, good, doing a, coming off the ball and rushing the passer. Look, uh, it, it doesn't matter how it looks. They're still winning some games. That record's pretty gaudy for Chicago. The film doesn't say they look as good as their record, but, you know, they've won these type of games. So mm-hmm. it, the recent history this year says the Bears win it. This will be tough. I think uh, the Panthers will play well. The Lions at the Jaguars. You know, just looking at this Lions team, I mean, you got to get a win here. It's the defense that's the problem. They can't rush the pressure. They can't cover. Um, It's you just this is one of the games that they can win. Offensively, they're fine. They're a really good team. I think they pull it out by getting enough offensive points to hold on on the road here. This has got to be one of the few that can win. The Jets at the Dolphins, and Chris, at this point, Tua may never see the field the way that the Dolphins look right now. Heck no. I mean, you know, you got you to sit there, and if, if you're if you're uh, you're looking at it and saying, hey, Miami, you know, we got to sit here and fight for a playoff spot. I mean, you're, you're right. You can get in it. Yeah, you beat the Jets here at home. They look really good. I know the Niners are banged up, but I've seen that Niners team play, play against the Jets, play against the Giants. Uh, no problem. The Dolphins are playing well. Blind, that's another guy that's doing a really good job. This is a team that's not all that talented. Um, you kind of put them in that category, uh, and it's a second year. I think the Dolphins have hit on something, and they've hit on a really well-coached team that plays hard, that play physical, and even when they lose, they play well, and they're in game. So, um, yeah, I, I like them. you got to figure the Jets are going to win at some point, but, and this is a winnable game. I, I just don't know if the Jets can pull it off. The Packers at the Bucks should be a good matchup of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Absolutely. Bucks are playing good defense. Uh, Packers are really good. I'm wondering – the Bucs try to test this Packers run defense. I mm. think that's the key here. 
how good is this Packer run defense? I'm not quite sure yet. We don't know yet. Uh, maybe a shootout game. Uh, I think maybe the Bucks try to play it more towards the line of scrimmage, run the football. Maybe at home they get it done here. All right, we move on to the Rams at the 49ers. Hey, this Rams team is really good. Pay attention, folks. The Whitworth is just phenomenal how well he continues to play. The offensive line's playing well. Donald's a beast. They're really coming off defensively. This Rams team's good. They're right now they're better than the Niners with their, their injuries. I'm curious to see if they're able to take care of business at, on the road. I think they should. Uh, about the Chiefs at the Bills, we talked about briefly because we're going to wait and see what happens with the Bills. So we'll move on to the Cardinals at the Cowboys. Andy Dalton with his first start for Dallas. Well, again, I think the key is being able to establish the run. Really important here. Cardinals have been Jekyll Hyde here. They've looked really good against some bad teams and then have looked, you know, good against some bad teams. And, you know, this is a game they'll be a little fired up for. Um, this is kind of goes back and a little bit of, you know, Cowboys. And I think they'll play well here. And I'm curious to see how the Cowboys play at the line of scrimmage. That's the key because I think the Cardinals will move the football and score points against this Cowboys defense. And if the Cowboys have to play pass first, they could be in trouble here at home. All right, Chris. Well, we head to LandryFootball.com now, and we can find plenty of stuff covering both college football and the NFL, including roster gradeouts uh, of the performances, film room previews, and recaps of what we saw and what we will see this weekend, as well as free podcasts every single day, access to the Twitch channel, and more all on LandryFootball.com. Absolutely. All the film room breakdowns. We, we, uh, we just got all the breakdowns from last week's game how the players graded who graded out the best and and tell you what happened college and nfl and we'll have the previews college in the nfl here on wednesday and thursday getting you ready for the weekend and we really want to thank the great folks at american betting experts that uh, uh for being our sponsor for the film room um uh, show. Uh, it's one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. And here's what you do. Go to the website that we're talking about, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, PointsBet. Uh, sign up and receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet. bet. Um from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get it on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Appreciate them being on board with us today. Absolutely. You can get uh, $500 at MG, BetMGM, $100 points bet, up to $1,000 on DraftKings and FanDuel, all brought to you by American betting experts. Click on the link there at LandryFootball.com. A reminder, follow, subscribe to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball. You can always follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air. And if you can't watch us on Twitch, just download LandryFootball's conference call podcast where wherever you get your podcast from, and you'll get all the offerings from Landry Football available in one convenient location. Chris, enjoy the rest of the Tuesday night football game that we have here today. Yeah, I've been, I've been peeking at it all night as we've done this show. So if you're listening to this, you're wondering, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're aware of the score. I'm yep. watching it. But, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this after the fact, we – 
you know, we want to, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, it, uh, we dropped it on Tuesday night. And again, as Scott mentioned, check us every at uh, every Tuesday night at seven Eastern time. Uh, follow us on the Twitch channel, like us, hit that heart button and join us in the chat room. Like our good friends. Uh, so many of them did tonight. You do it as well. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Talk to you next week, Chris. You bet. It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.